Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, and I'm here with my co-host, Mick Berry. I am a rational emotive behavior therapist, that's R-E-B-T, and Mick is an expert in R-E-B-T, which was devised by Albert Ellis in the mid-1950s, and the basic premise is that our emotions don't come from situations directly, but our emotions come from our thinking about situations, and when we have disturbed emotions like anxiety, depression, anger, uh, or suicidal ideation, it comes from a particular type of thinking, and that's thinking in terms of demands. Must, should, supposed tos, have tos. I must do well and get approval, or else I'm no good. You must treat me fairly and kindly, or else you're no good. And my life must be fair, reasonable, and hassle-free, or else it's no good. So when you have disturbed emotions, look for your must, look for your should, look for that demand, and then question, challenge it, and contradict it. Today, we're honored uh, once again to have uh, Tyson Switzer as our guest. And uh, Tyson will be discussing suicide. Tyson, do you want to say a few things about yourself and uh, then launch into uh, the subject of suicide? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, I am ha happy to be here to, to discuss suicide. Uh, like you said, my name is Tyson, and uh, I am a, a therapist. Uh, I, I'm the owner and director of the Center for Rational Living Therapy uh, out here uh, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. In the form of cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, I, pres I uh, prescribe is what's called rational living therapy, uh, which is similar to REBT. So with suicide, uh, I wanted to ask a question first. I've noticed in the, the mental health world that people are using the term died by suicide. You know, people always used to use the term people committed suicide. What are your guys' thoughts on this new term of died by suicide? That's an interesting question, and I uh, hadn't heard of that term, but it my impression is it's just another way of saying died committing suicide, Mick. Uh, if it helps, I'm all for it. I don't know if it's got any, if there is any indication that it's helping at all. And <clears throat> I think it's possible it's somebody possible changed somebody the phrase it. thinking that it would help. I'm no, not sure it does. Sure but that's my thought. Right. Yeah, my, my one concern on died by suicide is it, it seems to uh, remove the culpability uh, from the person making a decision to end their life, you know, as if they have no voluntary control of themselves. Oh, you mean like died by drowning or, or died right. by uh, being engulfed by flames or something like that? Yeah, right. yeah, I think yes. that's an excellent point. Yeah, Mick? Yeah, and I, I've seen this before when I've known some people that have committed suicide, and I've seen that a lot of people give a whole lot of sympathy to the person who committed suicide after they've committed suicide like it's going to make a difference. I've been quite upset over a couple of friends of mine that have committed suicide, and people say you need to be understanding of them. 
No, I don't. It doesn't make any difference if someone has committed suicide. What I want to do is be understanding of the people that are still alive and to let anybody know that I'll be upset if they kill themselves. Yeah, sounds yeah, reasonable sure. to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so I, I tend to use those terms died by suicide and committed suicide interchangeably. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think some people use that term died by suicide as a way to rid themselves or rid people of the uh, uh, action the as if uh, the, the responsibility, yeah, the responsibility or the irresponsibility or, uh, of their action. Absolutely. As if, you know, as if someone had an it inside of them that's controlling them. Uh, mo moving forward uh, with uh, people who commit suicide. Uh, my first question to asking is, oh, why does a person become suicidal in the first place? And from my from our approach, from the rational living therapy approach, um, a person becomes suicidal because first, a person cannot become depressed without having a goal. Now, not everyone who's depressed has suicidal thoughts, um, but often that's the case. And then a, a person begins to regret or, uh, or their perception that something in, in their life is not the way they need it or think it should be. And then a person begins to think hopelessly about something that they believe to be a need or they believe to be a, a must or a demand. Yeah. And also from our approach, how, how does one develop this uh, suicidal depression? Uh, what, what happens is one begins to think that they absolutely need something or they must have something and they can't live without it, whatever it is, and that they will just die if they do not have it. And then they begin to uh, believe that they will never get whatever it is they uh, think they need or must have. Yeah, Mick. Yeah, I wanted to add, I've observed that <clears throat> for many people, suicide <clears throat> is becomes choice. They think it will improve their situation and people become depressed about being depressed and hopeless about being depressed or hopeless about having anxiety. And I've read um, Virginia Woolf's suicide note which she says to her husband i feel it coming on again i do not want to stand this or i can't stand it and she decides to kill herself and so right there is the secondary demand i cannot stand yeah. being depressed and i know for myself when you have a secondary demand of getting depressed about being depressed that's the way to really spin out of control or I shouldn't say spin out of control, but to have m many, to become, start having desperate thoughts and catastrophic thoughts that would lead to catastrophe. And feel yeah, yeah, like I, control, it, it escalates. Yeah, Tyson? Yeah, I agree. I think the, ter the term I tend to use from what you're talking about is a, a symptom stress being depressed about being depressed, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you bring up some uh, some good points about different ways of, other ways of thinking 
that become about when people become suicidal. You know, when people have different mental mistakes or cognitive distortions. And some of those uh, common cognitive distortions associated with suicide, I believe, are those irrational demands, those irrational musts, have tos, gotta's, shoulds, confusing needs with wants, jumping to conclusions, right? That uh, that they that they're not going to get something that they think they need. That irrational hopelessness um, that we discussed a little bit, and often an all or none thinking. They often take an all or none approach. And what are your guys' thoughts about hopeless thinking? That's usually a, a component to people who are suicidal. Well, actually, I was going to ask you about that, and I thought maybe you could clar clarify my thoughts about that, because I've had clients who have been very, very depressed, and they told themselves, I can't stand this depression, but they don't kill themselves. And then there are others who do, or at least attempt to. So do you, is there a way to uh, tell the difference in advance which kind of irrational thinking uh, leading to depression is also going to lead to suicide? I haven't seen a particular difference. Well, well, one thing I think we we know that whatever someone's dealing with, they can stand what's going on uh, with, with the fact that they are still alive. Right? They're standing um, it, yes. They are standing it, right? Now, this this hopeless thinking... When people talk about hopeless thinking, it's it's really, they're not meaning to be. Uh, no matter what a person is thinking hopeless about, it's a it's really an arrogant assumption. And people don't mean to be arrogant. And what I mean by that is, if I begin thinking, well, well first of all, hopeless thinking is really uh, the incorrect term, which I'll get to in a minute. But the arrogance is, if I... If I think I can't find a solution to a problem, if I believe that I can't find a solution, that means, Dr. Edelstein, you can't. Mick, you can't find a solution. If I haven't thought of the solution, no one can. <laughs> so that's what I mean by there's that that arrogance there. Yeah, Mick? Yeah, that's uh, really cool. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. There is a lot of arrogance there. Why not? So I can't find a solution here. Uh, what is the solution? You have any ideas rather than concluding there is no solution. And that's a very good point because I think when people get depressed, often they're self-absorbed and they think they know exactly what their problem is rather than listening to somebody else who might be able to help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do want to point out too, people don't mean to be arrogant. Uh, but it's unintentional. Yeah. I also don't think that they think they're arrogant. Oh, oh absolutely. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, and go ahead, Dr. Ellisine. I was going to ask a different question. So did you want to complete your sentence? Complete your thought? Sure. Yeah. And, and with this hopeless thinking, I think hopeless thinking is the incorrect term. Because people are always free to hope. Because you know, hope doesn't require facts. Uh, the whole purpose of hope is to deal with the absence of fact. And I think what really gets labeled hopelessness is actually more irrational pessimism. 
Yeah. <laughs> In other words, uh, there's always the possibility for hope. People are just not allowing it to happen through their irrational pessimism. No, I can't. I, there is no hope. No, discarding it. Yeah. Right. Just because there's no evidence that there's no solution yet doesn't mean there's not a solution. It just means we are not aware of a solution yet. I, I think we also might be able to call it irrational cynicism. A good, yeah, that too. Uh, that could work as well. Which is cynicism is more severe than pessimism. It's I doubt things will work. No, things will not work. Yeah. No. Yeah, that, I think that term would work as well. Better than hopelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyson, do you believe there's such a thing as rational suicide? Well, that's an interesting question. That that makes me think of, you know, a, assisted suicide. Right. Uh, go ahead, Mick. Yeah, well, um, Michael, my answer to that is yes, and the term is euthanasia. We have a term for that uh, being if if there is no chance of problems being allevi alleviated, then the best option is to end your problems by ending your life. I do think that that is very, very rare, but I do think it exists. Well, would that come from, I can't stand these problems, I have to have a solution, otherwise I might as well just end it all? I think I that that would be irrational. Uh, that would be irrational suicide, whereas somebody who says, I'm incapacitated, I'm an invalid, I, I am in nothing but pain, I see no option for any pleasure whatsoever. If that is actually the case, then euthanasia would be a good idea. But I do think it's in extremely rare cases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in but, fact, it happens often when somebody is at death's door, they're put on morphine to lessen the pain, and they will be dead within 24 to 48 hours once the morphine is injected, whereas they might live another week. But I think the option is, well, I'm in such pain, I see no reason to live another week rather than a day or two. Although... Um... In order for it to be legal, in order for physician-assisted suicide to be legal in the U.S., uh, it's required by law that someone have a terminal diagnosis, yeah. uh, which makes it difficult for people who, for other reasons, uh, want to commit suicide. I had a friend who committed suicide, and she couldn't do it in the United States for that reason, so she found this agency in Switzerland called Pegasus. And she went there and they helped her have a very um, uh, comfortable death or reasonable death rather than uh, doing rather than uh, killing herself here. And the reason she didn't want to kill herself here is because she thought if she shot herself, maybe she would get it wrong and be paralyzed for the rest of her life. Or uh, if she jumped out of a window, same thing might happen. So uh, that's why she... Uh, found this agency called Pegasus. Yummy. Well, I just wanted to say, I think the topic that we're talking about today, though, is suicide for people when they have other options and when there is the possibility for happiness and thriving in their life. The people I've known who committed suicide 
had a great deal of possibilities. They just didn't recognize them. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. And, 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 and Mick, I think the thing to consider is, well, am I jumping to conclusions? Is this really terminal? Are there other options? And and may, maybe maybe this question, Dr. Edelstein, maybe to some degree is irrelevant or misses the point. Um, so I think the real question is, um, well, what, 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 yeah, is any is any suicide rational? Um, I think, you know, one way to look at it is, well, no, there there could always be hope for a solution. Uh, because am I jumping to conclusions that this is terminal? Is there other treatment available I just don't know about yet or my doctors don't know about yet? Yeah, but if uh, if someone uh, thinks or decides they don't want to wait around until a doctor or medical science comes up with a solution that could be their choice and their preference and sure uh, that could that could lead to rational suicide mick i just wanted to say the question is there rational suicide is there euthanasia it's a valid question but i think its main validity is in the fact that it's incredibly rare that that is the case and often people who are suicidal want to justify their idea so that they can move ahead with their plan to kill themselves uh and they're looking for verifications so the question is their rational suicide could be slippery in almost all cases it isn't a rational act yeah. which, which also leads me to this whole this whole concept of people believing or making statements of I want to kill myself or I want to die. Because no one means that statement. I've never heard anyone that I've ever worked with say the statement, I want to kill myself. And that's what they meant. Because that statement, I want to kill myself, implies that someone is looking forward to committing the act of killing oneself. To me, that statement is, is the ultimate confusion of a goal with the means by which to achieve a goal. For example, by and large, most people want to find relief. I think that's the number one reason people think about committing suicide is because they want to find relief, whether it maybe be a physical pain or their, their emotional pain. So they don't really want to die. That's not the goal. The goal is to find relief. So a person is, in, in, in reality, the person actually isn't hopeless either because they're believing or hoping suicide or the consequence of dying, uh, they'll find the relief that they're looking for. Yeah, but they won't be around to find that relief. Exactly. That That's the main point, right? No yeah. one's died to come back to life to tell us if they will have that relief, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah Mick? Well, and I wanted, this is um, a different take on it. Uh, I suppose it's okay to mention it at this point. Um, I've known people who would say, well, rational emotive behavioral therapy says that situations don't make us upset, we upset ourselves. So why is it anybody else's concern if someone commits suicide? Well, yeah, that's true, technically. But the thing is, most of us have people that care about us a great deal in our life and we want people to care about us a great deal in our life and if we have people who care about us it is not a big leap of thought to realize that if we kill ourselves 
other people will be quite upset. Technically, yes, they are upsetting themselves, but if they care about us a great deal, the consequences are that they're going to be highly upset. So to think that suicide is insular and does not affect other people at all, yes, other people could remove themselves from being affected by it, but other people will be affected. Connect the dots. It's not a big leap. Yes, yeah, and uh, there I have seen it cases where uh, someone was considering suicide, but they wouldn't want their children to have this, uh, to have their parents gone because they committed suicide. So I think that illustrates what you're saying, Mick. Yeah, and that's a deterrent. However, what can somebody do so that they are enjoying their life and uh, engaged in activities that are they are able to have a great deal of pleasure from. I mean, I've had suicidal thoughts. It was it was suicidal thoughts. It was never anything that I was very worried about, but I wanted to nip the suicide thoughts in the bud. And that's why, actually why I started cognitive therapy and then it morphed into rational motive behavior therapy. Um, and it's just not productive. Where are we going if we're not doing things, choosing things that are going to help us and enjoying ourselves in a way that is long-term hedonism. And let me just throw out, I'm convinced that virtually everybody who is suicidal has the possibility of being happy and learning how to think differently so that they are having a largely enjoyable life. Every day, there are things in my life that are a pain in the neck, but I've learned and I practice how not to get unduly upset about these things that get in the way of my goals. Yeah, absolutely, Uh, Mick. Yes. Tyson, you mentioned uh, the term symptom stress, and I think that's what we call in REBT secondary disturbance. And the thing that uh, i not that comfortable about in the term symptom stress is it implies that if you have a symptom, then you have stress. But that's, yeah, not, ne- that. that's not necessarily the case. Uh, I've had clients who were depressed about uh, losing a loved one, and they didn't feel stressed about that. They thought, wrongly, I think, but they thought that the fact that they were depressed was more evidence that they really cared about this loved one. So. Yeah. So uh, the stress comes from the person's thinking. Also, yes, you, I agree. Also, you mentioned uh, someone has an it inside of them. I'm sure you you familiar with that term. And uh, actually, the that sort of muddies the waters. The it is their must. So someone <laughs> has a must inside of yes. them, not an it. <laughs> right. You're right. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for clearing up the waters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Purifying the waters. <laughs> right, right. Well, I guess one final thing I wanted to talk about is yeah. when when people, what I found personally, when 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 I've worked with people and they understand that their goal isn't to die, that their goal is to find relief that people often find relief in that alone once they realize what their goal is. And then once they realize their goal is to find relief, 
one wonderful method I love using with individuals is called the referenting method. Because once the person realizes that my goal is to find relief, now they can look at the advantages and disadvantages of two or more approaches to the same goal. So for example, okay, my goal is to find relief. What are some ways I could find relief? That could be therapy. And what are some pros and cons of therapy? Um, and then uh, what's another area or, or example that I could find relief? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of uh, that method? And then they so can be exploring words, different options. Looking, weighing pluses and minuses, advantages right. and disadvantages. Yeah, of yeah. different methods to, to help them find relief that they're looking yeah. for. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. if not, people think their goal is to die. So what do they tend to do? They tend to look at different ways of how to kill themselves because they think yeah. that's where they're going to find the relief. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. I, I have Which, one I have one question. Um Tyler, do you think Tyson? Tyson. Uh, yeah. Do you think that suicide is a bigger problem today than it used to be? I suppose it doesn't really matter. It's still a problem and it needs to be addressed. But I'm just wondering if um progress is being made in this area. Well, one I'm, I'm, I am very interested in this topic and I do present trainings on suicide and through, through the data that we, that we have that's collected, uh, the data really shows that the, the suicide rates really haven't significantly decreased and increased over the years. They've kind of been sort of even going up and down just slightly. Um, and, and when, when COVID hit, the suicide rates dipped a little bit and then they increased a little bit when the pandemic was over. Uh, that's funny. Um, and, and now they've come back to sort of baseline. I've, I've heard that about World War II. I don't know if it's true, but during World War II, suicides went down. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. if that's true, though. It's yeah, it could very well could be. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Tyson, if someone has a child or a loved one who says they want to commit suicide, it could be just uh, a thought, or it could be something that is something to be really concerned about. So is there a way for uh, uh, a concerned person to differentiate which it is? I know that uh, women are more, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, women are more likely to express the idea of committing suicide, but men are more likely to follow through with it. Is that right? I believe so, yes. Any other hallmarks for whether it's meant seriously or not? Uh, well, we want to uh, assess uh, to see, and and really, really at the end of the day, you you want to assess to see if they are going to if they have a plan and they're going to act on that plan. Right, right. And one thing that individuals do, probably because they've been taught this, is they think that if they have a thought about suicide that there's something uh, inherently wrong with them. They think there's something seriously wrong with them, which isn't the case. Um, it's very common for, for individuals to have a suicidal thought. <clears throat> yeah. And another, another factor, I think, is the social group. If someone has a large social group, they're less likely to commit suicide than if someone is more of a loner and has no friends or relatives or support group. Yeah, Mick? 
Oh, I was just going to say that <clears throat> suicide is so common. I think I mentioned this when we had a podcast on the topic last time. Uh, the most famous Shakespeare quote is to be or not to be, which is all about that. Uh, and that is his most famous quote. And I've been told that Hamlet was not the most popular play during his lifetime, but now it's about his most famous play. That and Romeo and Juliet. And Romeo and Juliet, there's suicide at the end of the play. Right, yes. <laughs> a dual, a double suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks, looks like you have a popular specialty, Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've gotten kind of long, so I think it would be good to wrap it up and um mick thanks so much for uh being my able co-host and tyson did you want to again give your website how people can contact you if they're interested yeah yeah again uh my, uh, my name is tyson of course and uh tyson i'm switzer. the owner yeah tyson switzer and owner owner and uh therapist at the center for rational living therapy in lewisburg pennsylvania uh, my phone number that I can be reached at is 570-880-0154. Now, my website is kind of long. Uh, you could, can I give that to you and you can post it um, in the yeah. show notes? Okay, very good. Okay, thanks again, Tyson and Mick. And I'd like to thank Chris Rossini, our technical engineer. Um, feel free to comment below if you have thoughts about this podcast. Give us a thumbs up if you benefited from it or found it interesting. Suggest subjects for future podcasts. Volunteer if you'd like to be a guest, as Tyson was. And um, subscribe to the 3-Minute Therapy podcast. To do what, Mick? To stay on the stay. rational side of life.